Hey ladies and gents and welcome to episode 9 of the Controlled Interests Gamecast where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, I'm joined by Jordan. Top of the morning to ya! And Dominic. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, we're gonna get right into what we've been playing. Um, They're stealing me lucky charms! Oh god. <laughs> uh, we're gonna get right into what we've been playing. Uh, I haven't been playing much lately. All I really played was Pokemon this week, just fluffing around in it. Um... Oh, I've been watching um, Chris Farad, a YouTuber who's known for playing through the Souls games. I've been watching him play through uh, Dark Souls 3, because I don't know when I'm going to be able to get my hands on that game, and I was just yearning for it. Uh, so that's pretty cool. The game looks awesome. Looks like it's arguably the best uh, game in the series. Uh, yeah, pretty much that's it. And uh, super stoked that they announced a Punisher series for Netflix, um, which is not surprising to anybody. Uh, what about you guys? What have you guys been playing this week? Um, I got a bunch of new games this week, so uh, mostly I've been playing Alienation, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, and enjoying it very much, um, as well as Quantum Break, which is also a super dope game, and just finished the first episode of the show, and that is also really cool, um, kind of weird how it doesn't have the main character of the game, but it does have everyone else from the game in the show, but... You know, that's whatever. Probably just budgeting. Um, and then, besides that, I've been playing uh, quite a bit of Final Fantasy III on the Vita, which is some good old-fashioned turn-based JRPG fun. Awesome. What about you, Dom? Uh, so, I've still been dabbling in Ratchet and Clank. I think I'm pretty close to being done with that. Um, otherwise, I just finished Daredevil Season 1, which, I gotta say, pretty good. Pr- pretty good. Um, the finale in particular was a huge payoff. I mean, the, the show was obviously great all along, but one of the better finales I've seen um, for a season of any TV show. So, Also, I forgot to mention last week, I also finished American Crime Story. So the, the producers from American Horror Story you know, did this quick uh, crime season show or whatever on the O.J. Simpson case, which timing that they released this is perfect for people like me who kind of have heard of you know oj simpson and everything but don't really know a lot of the details that people who are older got to live through at the time so really cool a lot of insightful stuff while it's still being a really good show too so definitely recommend it i second that recommendation awesome uh did you pull the trigger on bravely default you were talking about getting it earlier this week shoot no i have not yet um i probably will in the next few weeks here once i finish school and all that sort of stuff finally graduating college Otherwise, as of 15 minutes ago, I bought Gone Home on PC for only five bucks. Awesome. So not too bad. Finally have to get through that. Um, it's, a, it's, like a, it's an injustice that I haven't played it yet, apparently. This comes by way of GameRant.com, uh, Sarah Fields. Uh, Xbox One second generation on the way. So they're trying to figure out a way to get around the naming uh, problem that we talked about last week, Jordan. Um, it states, leaked Microsoft production notes may reveal the existence of a new version of the Xbox One, tentative, tentatively referred to as the Xbox One second generation. So they're going Star Trek with it, uh, Star Trek with it, I guess. Jesus. Um, uh, rumors have swirled around both Sony and Microsoft with small hints and leaks hinting at the possibility of new versions of the two current-gen consoles being released. At this point, neither company has officially revealed anything, but a new leak may indicate that a new version of the Xbox One is actually happening. Um, so, this is no surprise. We were assuming that, you know, every console generation that we've been used to is there's these, the last console generation is there's a slim version. Um, obviously, the Neo is seen as a more powerful system um, to work in congruence with PSVR and a lot of other things. Um, 
there was actually a Chinese manufacturer image that was revealed that showed that the product's weight is less than the Xbox One. So people are assuming it's a, a brand new console as far as its look. Like it's lighter. It's probably the quote-unquote slim version. Um, which is interesting because we still haven't... There's In all of the leaks, there's nothing saying what Neo's going to look like, right? It just is the performance of it. There hasn't been anything talking about what the console's going to look like, right? So we can just presume it's going to look the same. One thing that tells me is that the power brick is not inside the console. Throwing it out there. Yeah. If it's Yeah, Microsoft lighter. never does that. Yeah, it's always been outside of the console. You just plug it in in the back and it's part of it. Um, what do you guys think about this? It's not a shocker, right? Ooh, the Xbox 1.5. Uh, it's not really surprising. It's interesting, though, how um, people are going to handle this in comparison to the Neo, right? I don't think people are going to be as angry or say people are going to be angry because they're not the leaders in the race. Well, that's why when everyone asks, you know, well, why would Sony do the Neo, right? Like, what, what's prompting this? Like, they're doing great. Why do they need this? I think the answer to that question is probably a little bit of something to do with VR, but also that's what Microsoft is doing or, you know, they want to be able to compete with whatever Nintendo is putting out too. I think, I think this is, you know, it's, it's all three are going this way and that's kind of, they're prompting each other to do it. That's my guess anyway. Well, yeah, but the thing is, is that PlayStation and uh, and Xbox actually have consoles that are selling, and then they're making a new one. It's not they're forced to make a new one because it's not selling. So it's a little different, but I, I do agree right. with you. They're all down the same avenue. Um, it's interesting, though, because this is all going to come down to, I think, pricing and messaging. We've talked about this a million times, but, like, obviously pricing is going to be a huge factor, what these come out as. Like, if this is just a slim model of the Xbox that's, Xbox that's already out, obviously it'll probably be a little bit powerful. There's no reason to release a new version of the console if it's the same. Um but it's going to be interesting how these two point fives come out in pricing, um, and how different they are as far as power, um, and how, how that changes the pricing of their current consoles. Uh, I think this is just a. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. Um, but I guess Agreed. Neo's happy that this information leaked because they're like, no, we're not the only ones doing a point five, you know. So right, uh, right. Jordan, what do you think about this whole Xbox news? It's not surprising, right? No, I think. With all three of these consoles, it's about time like somebody actually comes out and says something official. Um, and even like Sony, I don't know. I guess everybody's just waiting for E three, you know. But like, there's so many leaks. There's so many leaks about the PS four point five that it it can't be fake. Yeah. There's no way that it isn't real. And so you know, like we've discussed on prior shows, I just think that not allowing yourself to control the message as Sony or Microsoft or Nintendo is just shooting yourself in the foot. So, you know, you can change E3 plans. It doesn't, you don't have to wait till E3, get out there and do a blog post or do a video, whatever you need to do. You know, they should do something really quick just to say, yep, this is real, yeah. you know, real brief details, you know, maybe a sentence or two and then finish by saying, we're going to talk more about it at E3. Sure. That kind of thing. And then it's, Sony's message instead of, you know, Kotaku leaking stuff from a source. Right. The interesting thing too about this is that Nintendo has the easiest way to to market their message and get their message out there because they are conventionally known for not being at E3. Like they do their Nintendo Directs. So if it's the easiest right. one out of the three is them to just do a Nintendo Direct and talk about it. Obviously Xbox and PlayStation can do their own thing too before E3, but they're a little bit more tied and that's not an excuse, but Nintendo has no excuse. They never really are E3. Yeah. They should make a Nintendo Direct talking about this. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that's a great point because, yeah. yeah, they'll just pop up and be like, oh, we're just going to 
do a direct about Smash Bros. DLC characters, but we're too scared to talk about the NX. Like, what are you doing? You know? The, the bit of information they just released about the NX was only because they had to for, like, an investor meeting, right? Yeah. Right. The, the, the thing, too, that's weird, man, with Nintendo is... So, apparently, the rumor is their only E3 presence is going to be Zelda, which is, like, why well, would the well, only well, thing... That's confirmed. Is it confirmed? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah. Um, the only playable um, experience they're going to have, they said, is going to be yeah. Zelda. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. They're going to show other games, but just... That's going to be the main focus and the only thing playable, I believe. It that's so weird for you not having a console launching the same year, and to show off a game that's not coming out till next year. Like you're really just shitting on the Wii U owners more and more. It's like you didn't, here, we're gonna have much in the pipeline. You can come to E3 to play this game. You won't be able to play till you spend more money on a console that might fail like our last one. That's what I hear. The fact that the fact that NX is not coming out this year is, in my opinion, devastating for the state of Nintendo because I agree. They were already rolling around in the mud, and now they're just like, they're even worse off than they already were. I just, ugh, I'm almost starting to feel like, not feel bad, but I'm starting to get like worried for the state of Nintendo and how how hard they're screwing this up right now. Because everyone that is looking or able to buy something, you know, buy a console this fall, or, you know, in the next year, is going to this fall when, you know, these new PlayStation X and Xboxes come out, right? They're either going to replace yeah. what they already have or the people who haven't gotten a new console are going to start with these upgraded ones. And then a couple right. months later in spring, there's not going to be as many people looking to buy something. I mean, Nintendo's going to be stuck as, like, the thing you buy just for the Nintendo exclusives, which obviously hasn't worked out for them in the past. Well, and the fact that they're they're missing the Christmas season is just bad, too. right. Huge. Here's the thing is like, so when this fall would come around, if the NX was releasing, right, I'm not saying everyone would do this, but you're sitting there and you're like, I can spend $400 on VR, I can spend yep. money on the new PlayStation, or you know what, Sony's delivered a message that my PlayStation 4 is still good, I don't need to buy the new one, it's a luxury item, so instead of me spending money on that, I'll just, you know what, Nintendo, this is a different Nintendo, I'm going to buy their console because everything looks good, you know, apparently they would have their, obviously, E3 press conference, the console looks awesome, and you would be able to sell to people who are on the fence of upgrading their current console, you know? And the whole messaging, Microsoft's probably going to have the same messaging. Your Xbox One is fine. If you want to upgrade, you can. PlayStation's probably going to do the same thing, right? And it's dumb not to catch people at a time when they're expecting, okay, I'm going to probably want to spend money on a new console. And instead of getting in there, they're just going to delay it. People are going to spend their money this fall, buy their upgraded consoles. That's if the Microsoft One uh, comes out too. And then they're going to be like, well, I already just upgraded my console and it's just as powerful as the NX, you know, um, assuming. Yeah. It's just, a, it's bad. I think it's very well, think, terrible timing. Think about this. They had shitty timing last time with the Wii U when they decided to just jump out in front of everybody and, and release their console before it was obvious that uh, Sony and Microsoft were about to, to release. And now they're doing the opposite where they're too late to the party and Sony and Microsoft are going to beat them to the punch this time. They're just, they, it's just more of this whole Nintendo being Nintendo and doing their own thing. And if they want to stay in the video game industry as a hardware manufacturer, they have to start making video game hardware that people yep. want to play because they've been making toys for the last 10 years that people want to play but not as much as they need them to want to play. They need people buying more software. They need people buying 
these games and involving themselves in the Nintendo ecosystem the way that Dom and I are involved in the PlayStation uh, ecosystem or Jared with Xbox and PC. It's like people, there's very few people at this point that really give a crap about Nintendo and they're just losing fans by the day. Plus, it's always, Nintendo's systems have always been a secondary console, right? Like, who yep. owns just a Wii U or just a Wii? You don't. Yeah, you own them in addition to your primary console, an Xbox or a PS4. The worst part is they have the biggest discrepancy between software and hardware. They make fantastic games. That's never been an issue. No one ever says Nintendo makes bad games. It's no right. one wants to buy their console because no one makes third-party games, and I don't want to buy a console for, like, four games a year. You know, like, it's just... Right. It's the discrepancy there. I know so many people that are like, man, if Mario or Zelda were released on the Xbox or PlayStation, I would buy it. But I'm not yep. going to buy it because I don't own their console. And, uh, like, I'm with a lot of people in this. My heart says I want Nintendo to succeed because, you know, people love Nintendo. But the gamer in me just wants them to fail in the hardware market because I want to be able to play their, their software. They make great software, you know? It's just... It's so it sad. It will happen. Yeah, it will. It, it, it I mean, coming. the Mario games would be selling more than Call of Duty if they were multi-platform. And that's the sad part here. You know, people buy the shit out of Mario Kart and Smash Brothers, and they have some of the highest attach rates on for any game of any console. And Nintendo's just being stupid by not putting those their games out on other systems. They'd just be making money hand over fist smash bros and mario kart would sell gangbusters the sales they would have for those two games man would be in it'd be ludicrous um i don't know it's just it's insane to me uh let's let's move on we've talked about this enough nintendo you get no more of us talking about you for a week (laughs) um so the biggest story to me comes by way of polygon uh michael over at polygon writes call of duty modern warfare remastered includes campaign and 10 multiplayer maps Thanks to a Canadian poster leak, um, it was announced earlier in the week, or leaked earlier in the week, that an image of uh, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare by Infinity Ward, because why not be confusing, um, <laughs> the new Call of Duty game coming out this year is going to ship alongside Call of Duty for uh, Remastered, if you buy the special edition, which is like, I was looking at the Canadian prices on the poster, a regular game is like 80 bucks or 90 bucks, and uh, special edition is like 110 and here, obviously, it's 60 to 65 and 80-ish uh, for the first tier of special editions. Um, people were worrying that this was just going to be the campaign because it's easier to remaster the campaign didn't have a fully fleshed multiplayer. But thanks to this poster, it actually shows that there's going to be 10 multiplayer maps. Um, I don't know how, how ingrained you guys are in the Call of Duty community. I stopped playing Call of Duty about three years ago, but I was super involved. I loved Call of Duty. It was my shooter of choice because... You can say what it is about the game coming out every year, but their game is solid. The gameplay mechanics are solid. And I actually was super in love with Call of Duty for Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare 2, and I started falling out of it as the years went on. This makes me want to buy the new Call of Duty. Uh, I'll play the Infinite Warfare campaign because it's there, but I just want the remake. Um, I want to know from you guys, how are you involved in like the Call of Duty community? Is this a, a great um, announcement for you guys? Is this, eh, is this cool just to hear about? What are your guys' opinions on this? I'm with you. I'm excited because Modern Warfare is still to this day the game I put the most hours into in my entire life, right? I've probably put like maybe six months worth of my life into that one game (laughs) back in middle school, right? Like me and the pals would every day, that's all we did. And I got real good at that game, like real good. It's simple Um, too, which I love. Right, exactly. So yeah, I'm pumped to see that, uh, that it's coming back. And this, this seems like it'll be the first Call of Duty I buy since like Modern Warfare 2. 
and mostly for the remake. I mean, yeah, I'll play the new one yep. for the campaign maybe. And that might be about it. But yeah, this is this is very smart. Uh, this is a real smart move by them. I I'm actually pretty surprised about the fact that it only has 10 multiplayer maps because I feel like you'd want all of them, right? I mean, are people really playing this game? Like replaying the remaster for the campaign or to me it's obvious that if you remaster it for the new consoles people want it for the multiplayer so you know it's kind of weird to me there's some dlc on call of duty modern warfare but you know people are there for the the game as it was and the, the campaign is really good i think it has one of the most iconic call of duty campaigns outside of modern warfare 2 simply modern warfare 2 had the no russian uh i think that's the name of the mission right the airport mission is that the name of it yeah. yep no russian i think um, but I think it's 10 maps is more than enough. A lot of people just want to play, you know, a downpour and block in these classic maps that people love oh, to play. Oh man. And, uh, I just, I, I agree with you that it's weird that it's not all of them, but in the same token, I'm like, at least it's something. I have friends who have waited for a remaster since the Xbox one and PS4 came out. Why are yeah. we getting this? Like, it's just, it, and the weird thing too, is I think this also has to do with battlefield five still being rumored as a World War One, I. I think they feel as if they might miss the mark and people are going to lean more towards that and not really a space military shooter. And this almost guarantees more sales than what they were going to have because, for instance, Dom and I weren't even thinking about buying Call of Duty. I don't even care about it every year, right? But this was announced and I'm like, God damn it, they got me. It changes everything. For yeah, me. God damn it, I'm buying it, you know? And it's smart. It's a really good attachment to, to, to a game that... Uh, a lot of people who were invested in Call of Duty wouldn't buy anyway. So the timing's great. Um, I agree with you. The multiplayer maps only having 10 is is weird, but it's better than zero. And it's a bad way to look at something. But for people who've been waiting for this remake, Jordan, and it's actually happening, oh, it's so amazing, man. It's so exciting. Like, I'm happy for you, kids. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, so we're talking about Call of Duty. Call of Duty is known for making games over and over again. Uh, on the opposite end of that, there was actually an interview over at GameSpot uh, with President uh, of uh, From Software, and I'm going to butcher this name, so sorry, Hidetaka Miyazaki. Uh, close Miyazaki. Enough. Oh, yeah, Miyazaki. Um, so he's basically saying he's, uh, he's he talks about on moving on from the Soul series, New Horizons, and his secret obsession. Uh, he basically says he's ready to close the book on Dark Souls, and he stated that this also includes Bloodborne and Demon Souls. Uh, he basically states that you know the game wants to, uh, the team wants to move on and uh, forge a new IP, and they're done with the Souls games for the time being. They didn't say it's over, period, which is great news, right, Dom? Um, but he said for the next couple of years they want to work on something new, something refreshing. They they felt like they've gotten what they wanted to get out of Dark Souls and deliver it to you know uh, gamers out there, and they just want to move forward. And you know these these game companies get stuck in this rut of making the same game over and over again, and no matter how good the game is, sitting and staring at the same game for 10 years you figure the three dark souls games combined um if that maybe more it you know it gets boring no matter how good the game is so spicing it up rejuvenating those creative uh juices is awesome for a company so how do you guys feel about dark souls not being uh around for uh the foreseeable future at least i like it i'm with you give them time to do what they want to do and they will come back to it they will and most likely in the meantime sony might order up a a a Bloodborne sequel to be made by a different studio or something. And it will suck. Well, <laughs> it won't be as good as a true Miyazaki FromSoft game, but and, and again, they'll, they'll make their one or two mech games in space or whatever it is they want to make. But eventually they're going to come back to the Souls series in some 
in some form. And we'll, we'll having been having given a break, it's going to be nice to get back into it at that point. So I'm okay with this. I'm I'm starting to get the series fatigue anyway at this point. So, what about you, Jordan? What do you think about this whole news? You know, I think it's about time for them to try something else because if you think about it, I think there was two years in between Dark Souls 1 and 2. Is that right, Dom? Yep, that's right. So two years in between that, and then you had Dark Souls 2, and then you had Bloodborne the next year, and then you have Dark Souls 3 this it's year. It's annualized at this point, yeah. So yeah, they're they're like an annualized studio without an annualized franchise. But yeah, I think... They've just been pumping those things out and at really high quality. So I'd say, you know, take a break and, and try something else. Yeah, we were, we've had a discussion before on, like, uh, you know, these companies, if they can deliver a good game year in, year out. Uh, it, there's a difference between not having a game for five years and having a game every year, right? There's a middle ground you can hit. Um, and I think, too, with the series fatigue, it's the whole, what's that saying? Uh, you either die a hero or live long enough to become a villain. Uh, i.e. Call of Duty. Uh, so I think taking a break is definitely... A lot of people aren't going to be mad. I'd assume people who actually think about this from a, uh, you know, uh, understanding perspective of like, you know, just make something else. Because it's... Uh, what is it? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. You know, if we don't have this series for yep. a while, when it comes exactly. back and we get that trailer for Dark Souls 4, surprise at E3 or Gamescom, uh, whatever it happens to be, we're going to be shocked because like, oh yeah, Dark Souls, I want to play it again, you know, instead of seeing it every year. I'm going to shit my pants and then uh, Call of Duty is going to tweet the emojis at me. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you heard about that, Jordan, but the way it was confirmed, quote unquote, is that Call of Duty went to a tweet they got like uh, when the PlayStation 4 was uh, released and some kid was like, if I see the words Call of Duty 4 remastered on PS4, I'll shit my pants. They replied Mm. to that tweet this week with a poop emoji and a pants emoji. Which is really cool. It's a really brilliant <laughs> way of like confirming but not confirming. Um, but going back to Dark Souls, they've tackled this like this uh, high fantasy kind of realm, like I guess dark fantasy. Really, what do you guys think their new IP is going to be? Like, do you think it's going to be this kind of game where it's like third persony? Do you think it's going to be something we wouldn't even expect from from? Like, what do you guys think it's going to be? I think it'll be. I think it'll still be a tough game. I think it'll be hard, but I don't think. Like, I think it'll be a totally different type of game. I think it'll be a kart racer. That would be hilarious. <laughs> so the interesting thing is like, so people talk about how good Dark Souls games are. They have some of the best um, like map layouts in gaming. Like the way things connect and intertwine, like world building. I honestly think they're second to none. The way they, like for instance, with bonfires, you'll come to a bonfire, those there's, there's closed doors and you branch up to these paths and you come back and it always leads back to the bonfire, right? And you make a shortcut and everything gets shortened up and... Um, the cool thing about that game too is you can come to certain parts of the game where you get a look at what you were just in. It's not this like pre-rendered area that you'll never be able to get to. It's an area you walk through and it looks beautiful. It looks like a piece of art. Um, I think they, yeah. they are, they're, I think they're one of the leaders in the industry at that. And I don't, I don't think they necessarily get the rec- recognition they deserve. I think From's one of the top uh, developers in the world right now, as far as like, I don't know. It just they they're brilliant in the way they make games, man. It inspires me for somebody who wants to be a game dev in the future. It just they're a company I definitely look at and see like I take things from them and I want to mimic because they do it better than anybody. Um, so you're just walking along, walking along. You find a nice little lake, and then all of a sudden, a three-headed hydra beast comes out of it and kills you in one swing of its neck. 
Yeah, but then when you actually kill it and you find this cave behind it, it actually leads back to this bonfire you had at a, oh. a chapel that you were in 30 minutes before in the game. It's like, that stuff's cool because you're like, oh, that, that connects. It just It's brilliant game making, and uh, I think From is going to succeed in whatever they decide to do. And they earned a well-deserved uh, well break. Um, so going into my topic, speaking about you know studios that take breaks with video games and stuff like that, I just want to talk about two separate things. Like I want to get it, it, it'd be very easy answers. You can get more a little elaborate depending on how you want to do it. But do you what two companies? And there's two answers to this. What company do you think should stop making games um, as quickly as they do? And what what studio do you think should make games a little bit quicker than what they do? Um, for me, uh, I think it's I would have said Ubisoft's uh, teams that work on Assassin's Creed, but that's already happening, so it's kind of like a cop-out answer. So I'm going to throw out the easy ones so you guys have to think. Obviously, Call of Duty. I think even though they have three studios, I think it's still fatigue. I think they can take those three studios and maybe make different IP um, and have a Call of Duty game every three years. I just think seeing the name Call of Duty every year takes away from it. Um, that being said, I'm going to buy the one this year for the remake. Uh, the studio, I think, that should you know make games more often I would either say Rockstar, but they kind of have an excuse because of the scope of their games. They take that long for a reason, and when they come out, they last a while. Um, although there's some some problems with GTA not launching with multiplayer and not having heists that were promised on the box, um, which people don't really give them a bad break about. But I think if that was any other studio, people would have shit on them for that, for not delivering what was on the package. Um, but yeah, I, I would say I would say Rockstar. Uh, or Valve. Valve is an easy cop-out, too, uh, because obviously they can't count to three. Uh, but what do you guys think? What company do you guys think you feel should be making games less often? What what company should be making games more often? Jordan, what about you? I think we just answered the question about less often with From Software. For me, I think that's... that's Since they've pretty much annualized themselves, I think they do need to slow down a little bit. Not that their quality has suffered, but just, I think, you know... Why not just take a break and, you know, take three years instead of two for a game? And I think that'll help them out um, more often. Yeah, I definitely think Valve is a good point to make because, you know, they're falling off the face of the earth as a game developer and no one's really talking about them like that anymore. And and they're making, you know, portal demos instead of making a portal game and stuff like that. I think they need to get on the ball and... Um, pretty soon, this might sound crazy, but in a few years, people aren't even going to care about Half-Life 3 because you're going to have to go back and yep. play Half-Life 1 and 2 on a console that's like three generations old and and it's going to be a whole new generation of gamers at that point. Like, It's just not going to be the big deal that they think it is if they don't hurry up. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. Uh, what about you, Dom? What do you think? Pretty... Easy and obvious, right? Zelda. I want more of them. More frequently, there's only been five, six, whatever, mainline Zelda games. It's, you know, one every six years. It's so actual really Zelda games, not me. like cash-in handhelds, right? Not Triforce Heroes. No voice communication, but you can point at each other or whatever the heck it was. And what about a, a, you know, a company or a game franchise that you want to see less of? I'm ready for Call of Duty to go away as well, but again, yeah, that's I guess that's the cop out answer. Um, I think Far Cry should take a break. Um, I'd like that they try to do something a little different with Primal, but they need to take a year off probably at least, come back and then have that rejuvenation that uh, you know that 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 old man feeling you got when you first played Far Cry Three, right? So. 
Yeah, it seems like they're churning those out crazy, too. I remember when I played Far Cry 3, I was like, this is special. I've never... That was the first Far Cry game I ever played, and now it's like Far Cry 3, Far Cry 4, Far Cry Primal. It's like, it's getting too much to me. Like it's like, Yeah. It was two years in between 3 and 4, and then only like a year, not even a year and a half between 4 and Primal, so they might be actually speeding up. Yeah, that's, that's insane to me. Um, a different take on this is like, so I don't necessarily want these kind of games to cease coming out every year, but I think the way they're delivered should be different. That's sports games. I love sports games. I'm a sucker mm. to buy the new NBA 2K and the Madden every single year. And people can joke, oh, it's the same game. There are improvements that do make the game better, um, and you're basically getting a roster update. I think it should be a platform. It's been talked about many times before from different people. I think if you release a Madden platform and an nba 2k platform and have an annual update that you pay for like a i wouldn't say a season pass but just like a package like i would pay 25 to 30 bucks a year half of the price that i pay every year for just an update you know a giant patch you can think about it like you know but what does it do so updates the roster that's the whole point of you buying a new madden game right is to get a new roster for people who are into football i mean every nhl game i've ever bought since the 360 era, the rosters update. If you're connected online, pretty much every time you plug in, your roster will update. Yeah, but here's the thing: is in in Madden and in NBA 2K, the only way you can get the rookies into the game when they're drafted, like the drafts happening this weekend as we're recording this, you can create them or like download somebody else's created roster, but you can't actually get them into the game. Um, also, there's vast gameplay improvements. Uh, a big a big game mode in Madden is Mutt, where you collect cards. So obviously uh, that gets better throughout the years because they add more players and they do different things and it's updated as the season goes on, right? Um, so if it was a platform, you don't have to worry about that. I think if there was an annual update and it was half of the price or cheaper than that, it'd make more sense. Um, but I, I do think that sports games need to change the way they're doing things. Even though I'm a sucker and I buy them every year, I'm not really helping the situation. But I think they could change for the better. Um but yeah, that's pretty much, you know, the cop-outs are obviously Call of Duty to stop making games and stuff like that. That's an easy answer. And I think all of you guys had great answers to this topic. Uh, you know, there's plenty of companies that we want to see make games more often. But in regards to like Dark Souls where they're taking a break, you know, maybe the break is best. Maybe taking the time for these games is great. And maybe Rockstar waiting these five to eight years for a game is worth it when you get a GTA or a Red Dead um, which I'm excited to see if they announce a new Red Dead this year, the prequel, which the map leaked, whatever. Yeah, um, I bet Red Dead is going to look great on PS4 Neo. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> uh, we were fortunate enough to get a review code from Sony for Alienation, and I sent it over to our boy Jordan, uh, who was you know yearning to play this game, so he was able to get the code and play it. And uh, Yeah, isn't that your topic, Jordan? Yes, hail Shuhei for hand-delivering my download card. He came to your house? Wow. To- to my home he flew out of japan over to the nashville area and he said you know i just i know you are a housemark fan and i know you're really excited about this game so here's this and uh then he gave me the vita 2.0 and he flew away did he did he also <laughs> let you save uh change your your psn name did he give you that opportunity he was like you could if you want to i'm just saying he gave me the option but you know i was smart enough to to choose my name wisely when I was like in middle school. How cool would it be? How cool would it be if like through some weird twist of events, you know, some alternate reality, you could change your PSN name, but you pretty much had to submit your case directly to Shuhei about why <laughs> you need, you know, I'm taking this. He was the end all be all. 
That's hilarious. Exactly, and he got to decide whether you had a good enough case and you were justified in changing it. That's I awesome, think that would be pretty funny. That definitely is a waste of that man's time, but that'd be hilarious. <laughs> that'd be a cool sketch if somebody wants to work with Shuhei to get that done. Shuhei, we're taking calls if you want to do it. Um, yeah, but Alienation, how was it? Was it awesome as everyone expected? Yes, so um, I love it. It's such a great game. It's it's um, I am a big Housemark fan. My favorite Housemark game is Outland um, on PS3. But I do love Dead Nation, which Alienation is the spiritual successor to. Um, Dead Nation was zombies. This is obviously aliens. But it's, you know, a top-down twin-stick shooter with uh, a decent amount of difficulty, um, a solid amount of customization, but really just, like, awesome combat, lots of fun, you know, blowing aliens up and getting your XP score higher and shooting up your multiplier and using these special abilities. It's just everything comes together so well. It's a beautiful game with great music. Um, so yeah, I, I, there's honestly barely anything that I could say that I don't like about the game. I guess, you know, part of the topic can be you guys kind of asking questions about that or whatever, but, um, so far I've played, maybe like eight-ish hours, six to eight-ish hours at this point. And yeah, I I love it. It's a stellar, stellar video game. All on Vita? It is not on Vita. It's it's, on Vita. Um, it's PS4. Um, Dead Nation did eventually come out on Vita, which I would love to see if this game does. It's, you know, got a higher graphical fidelity, so I'm not so sure if that's possible. But either way, I would love to see it on Vita. Okay, my one my one caveat with this game is the fact that Dead Nation had couch co-op and this only has online co-op and I was actually really excited to play some co-op with Alienation because I have some friends that I used to play Dead Nation with, so that's probably my biggest thing, but you know, a lack of a mode is not necessarily something I would take off on a game for, so but I, I mean, love it. Halo Five didn't have that feature, and people were angry. Um, I think couch yeah. co-op is something that needs to be in games if it's something your game is known for, i.e., uh, Dead Nation, Alienation, and obviously the Halo games. Um, it, right. it looks like a fantastic game. If I had a PS4, I would have, I would have, you know, scrapped, uh, scraped, scrapped, <laughs> scrapped up the coins to buy it. It looks like a great game. All of their games have always looked great. I've just never owned a, you know, PlayStation to get their games. Um, they're obviously a studio I respect. Um, as soon as I saw this code came in, I knew you were going to be stoked because a lot of people wanted to play this game, you know? Um, and I, I think that it comes to no surprise that the game's solid. Um, for it, it's worst part of the game being that it doesn't have couch co-op is a, it's a great thing because that means that there's not a lot of flaws with the game. Um, obviously right. I've heard that the trophy list is good or hard rather, but it's, it's not something that's un, unobtainable. Um, it looks cool. Yeah. Um, I just like that people still make games in very different genres, and I'm glad that they are willing to commit to that. Because, like, you know, a lot of companies when they when they try to get supporting and funding, they're like, <clears throat> "We're gonna make this style of game." And then investors, who are usually like old white guys, I don't know what's going on. They're like, "Well, the Call of Duty's selling, and that doesn't look like Call of Duty." Um, but you know, yeah. sticking to your guns and making these type of games that people want to play um, and they will buy. So, and for for um, clarity's sake. Jordan would have definitely bought this game if he didn't get the code. He was actually planning on buying it, um, but we were fortunate enough to get the code. 
So um, it wasn't one of these things where we got the code and that's the only reason we were playing it. He was he was planning on buying it either way, and we were able to get a review copy, which is solid. Um, yeah, I don't really have any questions. I it seems like a solid game. Um, they're a proven studio. I don't have to have, have any questions about that. Uh, Dom, you have any questions regarding Alienation? Yeah, I gotta back up. I'm a little behind the ball on this one. So it's twin stick shooter, right? Yeah. Yep. Top down. Okay. All right. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Um, right. Yeah. No, I'm I'm excited too. It looks cool. Um, I might have to pick this up eventually here. Yeah. I mean, uh, something else to be said is that it's now entered into my favorite PS4 exclusives list, up there with Bloodborne and in Infamous Second Son. Um. And you know, Rezo Gun and Ratchet and Clank, it's up there with all those guys, so um, definitely a top tier exclusive. And it's only 20 bucks, like, I would recommend this to almost anybody, even though it is a twin six shooter and it's not like most, you know, first person or third person shooters. Um, it's just a fun game, and and you know, it speaks to me. I've been thinking about this a lot playing it, it speaks to one of the reasons I got into video games as a young child was just fun. Playing a video That's why game. I love, yeah, that's why I love Sunset Overdrive so much is because Sunset Overdrive is a video game all about fun, and I love that. And, and you know, just running around blowing up aliens is fun, man. It's fun, you know, and, and Alienation does it so well. So uh, highly recommended from me. I have a couple of questions on I think about it. So are there like boss ish kind of battles? Like are there areas where yes. you fight like bosses? So there's you know, there's just like bosses that are part of the objectives, but basically what happens is there's um so many locations in the game, I'm not sure how many. I've gotten to uh just got to the third one before we started recording, but the first two first one was Alaska, second one is uh like the Chernobyl area in Europe. Um, and basically what happens is you go back to the same location, the same map in Alaska or the same map in Russia or whatever over and over again for like, you know, three or four or five missions to complete that level. But your objectives, the maps are so big that your objectives are on different parts of the level. I get it. And so you can go, you can clear out, you know, the spend an hour and just clear out the entire level because, you know, it'll be populated with enemies. And so a lot of times you'll have bosses that are part of the objective, but then there's also these bosses that are just out in the level that you'd kind of have to go seek out if you wanted to beat them. And I guess there are technically mini bosses, but um, they're, you know, they've got a big health bar and they're bigger and stronger they have special powers. Each one has a different special power. And, you know, they show up as a red icon on your map. You kind of just have to find them. So there's different kinds of boss battles. But either way, there's, you know, big, uh, scary monsters to fight, I would say. So I have another question. So uh, Dom was saying he might pick this up. Are the classes different enough and unique enough that if we're to get into a group that everyone feels like they have their own priority and mission in that group like do the do the the classes feel unique enough so i think i think the answer is yes but i can't say definitively i'm playing as a sentinel um and i can't remember the names of the other two classes but they looked different enough my guy's got like swords on his hands coming out of his arms um he's quick he's got a dash move it's like a rogue. he's got 
right? He's like a robot. Kind of, yeah. He's, he's you know, um, kind of the middle of the road character, not the tank and not the the uh, the tiny guy. Yeah. Right, yeah. So he's like kind of the middle of the road character. Um, but I will say I read all the stats on the classes to kind of um, better inform myself for my decision making. And uh, I felt like they seemed different enough to where I was thinking, hey, once I finish the campaign with the Sentinel, I'll probably go back and play with the other characters. So you definitely think there's replayability there. That's awesome. Sure. And and what you were saying about there's uh, value in having different types of squad members on a team. That's awesome. It, it seems like a great game. If I had a PlayStation 4, I would definitely uh, buy it because... Those guys seem to keep just churning out great games, um, like from software and yeah. a lot of other studios. Like they don't make bad games, um, time and yeah. time again. Um, so we were talking about boss battles in Alienation, and you talked about how there are mini bosses and stuff. Uh, Dom, you actually want to talk about bosses in general, right? What are your like boss fights? I guess. Well, what did you have for us? Yeah. So I mean, I'll let you guys take creative creative freedom with this and go whichever way you want to go. Um, maybe you want to give a quick spiel about how you don't like boss battles in general, or you do, or Whatever it is, but me myself, I just I, I want to rattle off a couple bosses that were particularly memor- memorable. Um, memorable. <laughs> All right. Memento. <laughs> Saying that word was a pretty tough boss. I'll give you that. <laughs> and I'm I'm gonna quit after <laughs> trying three t- three times. Anyway, so yeah, so I just want to rattle off a a couple of memorable boss battles, um, just from whatever the games might be. So to me. Um, a lot of these come from Dark Souls, just because, holy crap, the bosses in Dark Souls are... The first game or the series? <laughs> the series in general. Okay, so um, I, might not, I might not know a couple of them, but I'll see if I remember them. Well, actually, actually, they're both from the first game, first game anyway. So if you remember... Um... Please say Ornstein and Smell. Yep, exactly. Yes! Um... <laughs> Ornstein and Smell, those guys are incredible. Oh, they were brutal. I, I didn't have as much trouble as some people, but like that moment when um, when you finally kill one of them and then you know, the other one gets more powerful as a result of it. It's just like, oh, yeah. shit. So, for real quick, like, Jordan, you haven't <laughs> played the first Dark Souls, right? Right. So, you walk into this, I, I don't remember if it's a cathedral, it's just like an air, like a little room, right? It has pillars in it. I think it's like six or eight oh, pillars a large on each room. side of the room. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty big room. Ornstein and Smell are these two guys. One's a very heavy dude with a giant-ass hammer that moves faster than you would anticipate somebody like that, but slow in comparison to a lot of the other bosses. And he's powerful, right? Really powerful. The other guy is this quick guy with range. His thing is range, and he's uh, electrical damage, right? Is he electrical damage, Dom? Yeah, he's like a, a dragon so, and hunter. And you fight them at the same yeah. time. So there's these two guys, this large guy walking around, lumbersome, trying to hit you, and this very quick guy. And you're trying to basically manage your stamina, because that's one of the biggest things about Dark Souls. So you're trying to have to roll around past this quick guy while still trying to engage with them as this lumbersome big guy's coming at you too. It's one of the toughest boss fights I've had in a game because you're managing two different bosses. And unlike um, the Abyss Walkers in Dark Souls 3 where they're kind of the same speed and they're all the same kind of enemy, this is two completely different dudes that you're trying to handle at the same time. So it's super difficult, I think. It's one of the most difficult boss fights I've had in a game, hands down. Seath the Scaleless. This guy was a bastard. Was he um, the... Oh, let's go ahead, sorry. I'm trying to remember which one. Yeah, he he was the big, giant, blue crystal dragon thing. Um, the, the first time you fight him, you actually... You can't win. It's one of those planned losses or whatever. You die no matter what, yeah. 
Exactly. Um, then you come back and you have to destroy this thing in the back of the room before you can even do damage to him. And you only figure that out through talking to like an NPC or something really cryptic, right? So you could have, like me, potentially tried the boss fight six times, not even Jeez. knowing how to damage. You know what I mean? It's, it's well, one, that's the Dark Souls things. Forgive right? me if I'm saying this wrong, but Jordan, his big thing is he's a crystal lizard, right? And he summons these crystals Naturally. underneath you. All of them pop up around you, and if you get hit by one, you'll fall, get hit by the other. And it's just a combination of damage that you die like almost instantaneously, right? And on top of that, um, if those crystals in particular do enough damage to you, you'll get um, cursed. Then you lose half your health bar, even going forward after you die. Yep. You only have half your health bar available. And to remedy it, you have to find like a, I can't remember exactly, a particular kind of potion or something that's pretty hard so to get. So it limits, it takes away half Damn. of your health bar for the rest of the game until you're able to get the antidote. Right, exactly. Um, Brutal. But so, it, yeah, he was the toughest one for me. It took the most tries, definitely. Um, but when I did finally beat him, it resulted in one of the other cool thing about boss battles from Dark Souls was if you attack the boss's tail enough times, you can cut their tail off and then it always turns into a weapon that you collect. Yep. Um, like we you were know, once you dragon. beat them. Remember we were talking about the dragon, uh, Jordan, and he said don't do the dragon thing because yeah. it makes the game a lot easier. Yeah, that's a, a very big thing going with Dark Souls, of like the tails. You can get the tails. Um, right. The boss on the roof that you fight, the, the, the two-headed thing that breathes fire, if you cut off his tail, you get the griffin sword or some BS, right? Yeah, and they're always some of the coolest weapons, too, are the boss tails. Um, and his was like the moonlight great sword or great axe or something really some magical crystal sword you know it's like it's just another piece like oh you know not only did i beat you but i cut your tail off and i get this memento as a result you know that i earned from beating i don't know i just really loved that part of dark souls so um a couple other bosses i just want to mention really quick as honorable mention mentionees i guess um the big daddies from bioshock oh yeah yeah those things were really cool um the robot and portal. I can't remember what they called it. Glados. Glados, yeah. That thing was humorous. Um, <laughs> and the battles were at least somewhat creative. Um, actually, uh, I also wanted to bring up in uh, Zelda: Oracle of Seasons and Ages. At the very end, after you beat like yeah, after you beat the actual games, if you do the whole deal where you beat one and then use the code you get from beating one to play the other. Um, you get this ability to unlock these secret bosses at the very end of each game. Oh, cool. Which, and they end up being um, like Twin Rova um, and Ganondorf. So they were huge nods back to like Ocarina of Time and the older Zelda games, right? Completely optional and hidden at the end of the game. So I remember when I finally figured that out as a little kid, like it was the coolest thing ever because I thought I had beaten the game. Then, you know, one of my friends or however it is I find out tells me this. I'm like, Whoa, 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 what do you mean there's more, right? So that was really cool. Um, so going off of your boss talk, uh, I want to say something really quick, and then I'll give my, my little uh, explanation. So for me, boss fights are a critical and fundamental part of video games. They don't necessarily need to be in every video game, but they are a staple. First video game I ever played was uh, Mario, Bowser, boss, um, you know, or King Koopa, rather. Um, so, like, bosses are a fundamental part of video games. Uh, I think they're uh, an important part in every in different styles of video games. Um, I think when people think about video games, uh, somebody who's not a, very much a gamer, they think of you playing as a character through a game to get to a boss, right? It's kind of the typical uh, A-set idea of a video game. Um, 
For me, I would say that uh, one of my most memorable boss moments is playing uh, Super Mario 64 and the final boss battle because it was super disappointing, uh, super easy. Whole game's really fun, and then you get to the end and you have to toss him three times into the wall and he's dead. Really simple. Kind of disappointing. Um, and shout out to Tinker Knight in Shovel Knight, which is one of my favorite games. Uh, neither of you guys have played Shovel Knight, right? Nope. No, I have. You have? Okay, so Tinker Knight, uh, Dom, is it's uh, it's a, a Mega Man-style game where every level has a boss at the end of it, right? Different mechanics, a uh, different kind of theme. Tinker Knight is a mechanic that works on robots. Very tiny. I think he's one of the smallest sprites in the game uh, as far as a character. You hit him, you hit him, he starts crying, running back and forth across the screen as you bounce on his head with your shovel. When he hits a certain health threshold, he uh, or when you kill him actually the first time, he jumps in this giant robot that takes up almost the entire screen and you have to kill him. So it's really funny. Uh, he throws wrenches around and cries the first part of the battle and then the second half, um, he's in this giant robot. He's a really funny character. Um, he's probably my favorite knight in Shovel Knight. Um, so yeah, I just uh, I think bosses are an important part of video games. Um, when you think about some of the, the most famous characters, Bowser, Ganondorf, like, they're bosses, you know? Um, they're villains, but they're bosses. Uh, uh, Dr. Robotnik, Mr. Egg. So, I think bosses are super important, and I love them. They're some of my favorite parts of video games, period. Especially with, like, the Nemesis system in uh, in Lord of the Rings. I think oh, yeah. Shadow Mordor, if they can... They don't necessarily need to copy and paste that, but that whole thing of, like, you know, plenty of games you see a boss the first time and you see him multiple times in the game, I think the Nemesis system adds an extra layer to that that makes it more immersive. So um, boss battles, to me, are vital. Uh, what about you, Jordan? What do you think about this whole boss battle thing? Um, it's tough for me to think of, like, just my favorites off the top of my head. So I think I'm just going to shout out some ones that I like. Um, I guess I'll say Vicar Amelia. I'm specifically going to shout out... Uh, MGS3 Snake Eaters bosses um, because they were just so unique. Alrighty, um, so this was a good episode. We talked about video game franchises that need to stop being around and other ones that need to come around more often. We talked about Alienation, the impressions. Thanks to Sony again for sending us over a review code. Much appreciated. We talked about boss fights and how important they are, how annoying Ornstein and Smell were, and every other boss in Dark Souls because why not? Um, just to let you guys know, we still are having the 50 follower giveaway of the Star Wars Blu-ray. We're at about 42-ish followers, Dom, you'd say? Somewhere around there? Yeah, something like that. Um, so definitely, if you're listening to this, go follow us on Twitter. Even if you don't use Twitter, sign up and follow us, and you'll be entered in for the... We'll figure out a way to actually, when we get to 50, we'll give it away. Um, to probably through YouTube comments or something like that. Or retweeting a certain tweet. Um, you know, follow us on iTunes, uh, leave us a review if you can, those really help. Um, if you listen to it on iTunes, you should go to our YouTube and leave us a comment letting us know you listen to it on iTunes because it's really interesting. Uh, you can't really find out your numbers on iTunes. Um, listen to us on SoundCloud where I'm going to be tooling around with the new Google podcast system. Um, we're on SoundCloud as always, like I said, YouTube videos go up throughout the week, Monday through Friday, the whole video is posted on Friday and the parts and individual parts Monday through Thursday. Um, if you want to share us, that'd definitely be great. The more ears we get to, the better the show becomes. Uh, yeah, and we just appreciate you guys listening week in, week out. We're growing slowly, but we do appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, so before we head out of here, boys, what are we going to be playing? Real quick for me, going to be getting to Sunset Overdrive and, um, playing some more Pokemon. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. What about you guys? I want to finish up Ratchet and Clank for sure in the next few days here. Um, and otherwise, yeah, I'm just... Gonna dive right back in headfirst to Dark Souls 3. So awesome. Any closing words? Jordan Dumb? Praise the sun. Alrighty guys, catch you guys in episode 10. Bye. <laughs>